0: It is it is a magnificent joy to the Tree of Life Church to welcome our speaker. And we're so excited to have with us today the great ministry of brother Luami Diaz. We were calculating today that this is his 6th this is his 6th New Year's Eve service that he has preached at the Tree of Life Church. Amen. Amen. We had a, a, a different speaker a couple of times, and, and last year he had COVID. And, uh, but outside of those times, he has preached our New Year's Eve service. Tonight will be the sixth time that he has preached our New Year's service. Of course, he has preached uh, here many times beyond those, those New Year's Eve services, but God always gives him a word for the Tree of Life Church. Uh, Brother Diaz, I'll never forget the message you preached in the year 2020 when we were having such a uh, just such a, a crazy year and i'll never forget him preaching in our new year's eve service praise god in the sanctuary he brought us all back together with that great message and we're so thankful we love brother diaz we love micah and caleb and we're so happy that micah is able to be here tonight god bless him We love these young men. And Brother Caleb is not able to be here uh, because he has obligations back home in California. Brother Diaz is pastoring in Inland Empire, California, just outside of Los Angeles. And Vertical Church is in revival. I mean, full-blown revival. And... We're so thankful for that, and Brother Mike and Brother Caleb are heavily invested in the work of the Lord in their church there in Inland Empire, and uh, we're so thankful for what God is doing, and we're thankful to our friend that he would make time for us to be with us on this weekend. He'll be here tomorrow, and and I need to tell you, tomorrow we're going to start at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. I'm so glad I said something about that. That is a good thing. But if you get here at 11, if you forget, just, just pray and get everything warmed up for us. Amen. But tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Brother Diaz will be preaching tomorrow on New Year's Day. And tonight he's going to bring forth the word of the Lord. Without further ado, could you welcome our dear friend and brother, Brother Luami Diaz. God bless him in Jesus' name.
1: Praise the Lord, everybody. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord all over this building? Come on, clap your hands all over this building. Amen, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Bless the name of the Lord, how good it is to be in the house of the Lord this evening and to worship with all of you. Y'all, let me say 2022 has been such a blessing. Amen, Uh, my personal life and uh, my boy's life and the Lord allowed us to go into the Inland Empire, a city called Moreno Valley, right outside of Riverside, California. And we are uh, uh, pastoring. Man, I had no idea that I would be pastoring, uh, but God has been so good. Just about uh, three weeks ago, we baptized nine people in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen amen and God has been so good uh, we got there uh, in June Uh, July 31st we launched our uh, we had a a little core group that was with us and July 31st we launched our first service as vertical church and uh, since July 31st we have added 11 new families into our sanctuary amen into our congregation Amen. So God has been really, really good. Just, uh, uh, and we're getting all sorts of testimonies. Uh, Last week, I was at a small group. Uh, We're we're a small group church, and so we were at one of our small groups, and uh, one of the ladies that had just been baptized, uh, you know, she doesn't know much about Pentecost or uh, anything like that, and so she she was asked to give a few words testify and she said you know i i was uh, right after my baptism she said the next day i was over at my house and um my there i was alone and i felt a, an overwhelming desire to seek after god and to pray and so she said you know i i had never really felt that before so she said i i just went into my daughter's room and she said I, I grabbed my Bible I started reading it and she said and I, I, I didn't even know what to read or what I was reading but I just felt an overwhelming desire to seek after God and she said I began to pray and she said I, I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you but she said I, I was praying and then I couldn't tell what I was praying what language I was praying I was just I was in my daughter's room and and I was just praying in a language I did not understand. Amen. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Hallelujah. And I am, uh, I am so ecstatic about what God is doing in our midst. So I pray that you pray with us um, as we uh, get this thing going in Jesus' name. Amen and that God would give us the ability and the power and the anointing for the task at hand. Amen. Uh, I want to turn your attention to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to read out uh, verse 7, just one verse of Scripture, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. And uh, one of the prayers that I had always prayed since I was a kid I said, Lord, whatever church I pastor, I just I just have one one stipulation: whatever church I pastor, those women better cook. And uh, God has answered every single one of my prayers every single week lord have mercy it's a 99% mexican church and um by the time i come back next year y'all are you're going to think i'm a black saint nick <laughs> amen <laughs> uh because they are relentless every single week we get all sorts of good stuff amen and and so i'm just so bl- we're so blessed so blessed I've had tamales the last two months just filling my fridge. Amen. Just just a great blessing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. And you read out of the King James. I'm going to be a little backslidden and read out of the new King James here this evening. The Bible reads us so in the name of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Tonight, I simply want to speak to you on the the subject, of the glorious call of an earthen vessel. The glorious call of an earthen vessel earthen vessel father we praise you we magnify you we seek after you we love you with every single ounce of our being and we thank God for everything that you have provided this year everything you've done even even the valleys even the valleys we thank you for them um, you've been good you know, exactly what road we take. And as we say goodbye to this one year and we start out, we endeavor to go into this next year, I pray that you bring a fresh anointing and a fresh understanding of our true call in this life. We are here to serve you. We are here to serve your purposes. We are here for your ultimate will and we will bless your name for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you, everybody, and you may be seated. Ironically, every single New Year that we come, or or New Year's Eve, it is freezing in uh, Cincinnati. And so, you know, since my blood has thinned out in California, I brought the biggest coat. I, I never... I never bring a coat. I never bring a coat. I, ne- I brought a scarf. I brought a coat. I was ready. And uh, you guys are warmer than we are. Amen. So enjoy it. Amen. It has been said that the Roman Empire could not function without olive oil. Olive oil. Olive oil was uh, used for, for baths. It was used for religious and civil ceremonies. It was used for cooking. It was used for cosmetics, and uh, it was also used for lamps and medicine. Olive oil was basically uh, everything to the Roman Empire. For decades, olive oil was brought from southern Spain and North Africa, and it was exported to Rome in large earthenware jars called amphorae, amphorae. Now, these earthenware vessels were were so cheap, the amphorae were so cheap, that after they were emptied of all the olive oil, it was not worth returning them to Spain. It was much cheaper just to dispose of them. And so they were discarded in a specific area on the banks of the river. Over time, this area became an artificial mountain composed of broken fragments of these vessels. To this day, Mount Testachio is a hill on the banks of the Tiber River in Rome, and it contains all the clay fragments of the amphorae that arrived at the port in ancient Rome. The fragments of approximately 25 million amphorae are what created this gigantic mountain of waste. See, for the Roman Empire, ignoring the amphorae was much cheaper than trying to recycle them. So they simply piled them up on what is now called Mount Tistachio, a waste mountain, a mountain full of these unusable fragments. In the ancient world, the value of the vessel, the value of these vessels, was not in their beauty, but rather in their content the vessels enjoyed no inherent value outside of the oil that they contained it was that it was what was inside the jars that made them valuable ladies and gentlemen it was exactly these types of earthen vessels that paul was talking about when he said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And for those of you who have not yet grasped it, you, dear brother and dear sister, are not the treasure. You, with all due respect, are the earthen vessel. And in this passage of Scripture, there is a striking contrast A striking contrast between the shining glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, which is the treasure that was placed in our bodies, which are the weak and imperfect and fragile and unattractive containers by which this glorious gospel is carried and delivered to this world. We are all earthen vessels we are all clay the bishops and the pastors and the preachers and the ministers and superintendents and the small group leaders and assistant leaders and and sunday school teachers and ushers and greeters and just in case i'm forgetting anybody here tonight we are all clay that's all we are earthen vessels Clay, imperfect, and weak, and ugly, and ordinary, and useless, and replaceable, and common. We are all earthen vessels. If you came tonight to give yourself a a self-esteem boost, you came to the wrong service. Come back tomorrow, amen, because God is pleased to use earthen vessels, just ordinary jars of clay, ordinary vessels, amphorae. David compared himself to a fragile earthen vessel. In Psalm 31 and 12, he said, I have been forgotten from his heart like a dead man. I have become like a broken vessel. And then Isaiah also shows the fragility of an earthen vessel by describing how the tribe of Judah would be destroyed. He said in Isaiah 30 and 14, and it shall be broken as a potter's Vessel is broken, which without mercy is dashed in pieces, so that among the pieces there is no potsherd to bring fire from the earth uh, or to draw water from the well. So fragile, so, so weak, so common. These are the words that were used to commonly describe these earthen vessels. In Second Tim- Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and vessels of silver but also vessels of wood and clay and some were for honor but some also for dishonor. The gold and silver vessels were for honorable uses but the earthen vessels were the cheapest and the most common pieces of household crockery. It, literally it was disposable. They were used for violence vile uses how vile was the use to which these vessels were put well in Paul's time it was not unusual for wealthy people and kings to store their gold and other valuables in these earthen vessels and then bury them but that's not the common use of these vessels these would uh, that, that was not their common the earthen vessel was more suitable for a much less honorable purpose such as removing fecal matter and other waste from the toilet and the kitchen. This is what they used as a toilet bowl. It It was these vessels. That was what they used. That was one of the main uses of earthen vessels. And I don't know if you're following me, but in our text, Paul was not describing the vessels of gold and the vessels of silver. He was not comparing himself to a vessel of gold and a vessel of silver. He said, he was an earthen vessel." that's what we are here tonight earthen vessels earthen vessels who did jesus christ come to save well i'm here to tell you he did not come for vessels of gold and vessels of silver jesus christ came not for the strong not for the wise not for the intelligent not for the rich and the noble and the wealthy he came for the weak He came for earthen vessels to the Pharisees he said they that are whole have no need of a physician but they that are sick I am not come to call the righteous I have come to call sinners sinners unto repentance and again he said in Matthew chapter 9 I praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and you've revealed them to babes, just earthen vessels. Paul told the Roman church, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly, not for the holier than thou, not for the goody two-shoes, not for those who had a good past, but Christ died for those ungodly people who's got skeletons in their closet, who God knows what you did last summer God knows exactly who you are and yet he still chose you earthen vessel and then Paul later told the church at Corinth for you see your own calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty why because God chooses earthly. Vessels. God chooses earthen vessels. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It was not carried by the upper class of Egypt. The gospel was not written by the upper class of Greece or Rome or even Israel. The greatest scholars in the world at that time were in Egypt, but that's not who brought the gospel to this world. They were in the greatest library of antiquity which was in Alexandria. And the most distinguished philosophers were in Athens, but that's not who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. The most powerful leaders and movers and shakers of men were over in Rome, but that's not who God chose to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. And the religious geniuses were in the temple in Israel, and yet he didn't choose Pharisees to bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ God did not use any of them why because God is only looking for earthen vessels God is looking for jars of clay. God is looking for clay pots. He overlooked Herodotus, the historian. He said, no, you're not worthy of bringing my gospel to the people. He overlooked Socrates, the philosopher. He overlooked the father of medicine. He overlooked Plato. He saw his intelligence. Oh, such a great philosopher, but you don't qualify to be one of my apostles. He overlooked Aristotle. He overlooked Euclid, the father of mathematics. He overlooked Archimedes, the father of all that had to do with mechanics. He overlooked all of them. Why is that here today? He overlooked all of them because God was looking for earthen vessels. He was looking for earthen vessels. Cicero was not worth it all, the great orator. Virgil was not worth it, the great poet. He passed them all. He was looking for earthen vessels in their minds. And from a human point of view, they were magnificent vessels. They were vessels of gold and vessels of silver. And frankly, they were so impressed with their own value that they saw little value in the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jews to the Jews it was in a stumbling block to the Greeks it was an offense but I'm telling you the gospel did not come to any of them it came to mere peasants and fishermen and smelly ranchmen and publicans earthen vessels that were chosen to Hold and proclaim and write the priceless treasure of the truth of the gospel. These were the men that brought about the truth of the gospel. And I'm here to tell you in 2022 that for those who think they're the last beef patty in Montego Bay, can I tell you I've got news for you. For those who think that you are the last chili in Cincinnati, I've got news for you, baby. The 12 gates in the New Jerusalem do not bear the names of great philosophers. The 12 men that bear the names or that have their names in the temple of the New Jerusalem. in the the, the doors of New Jerusalem bear the names of men who were called ignorant and unlearned men it would do you a lot of good if you humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God God is not looking for haughty men he is looking for earthen vessels earthen vessels From the beginning of the world, God has chosen earthen vessels. Abraham was guilty of duplicity, yet he became the man of great faith and a friend of God. Moses was a stammerer. He was bad-tempered, yet he was the man chosen to make a nation and have fellowship with God, and he received God's law. David, guilty of adultery and conspiracy and murder and unfaithfulness as a husband and father, and he repented, though, became a man after God's own heart and the number one psalmist in all of history. And we still sing the songs of a, a past adulterer. Why? Why? Because he was a sweet singer of Israel, but most of all, he was an earthen vessel. Elijah, he was a man who fleed from Jezebel, asked God to take his life. He was an earthen vessel, but that's who God used. Isaiah, in the presence of the heavenly vision, he said, Woe is me, for I am dead, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips." and mine eyes have seen the king. In other words, I am an earthen vessel. I am just a paw, John, a pot of clay. I also see Peter, another earthen vessel, the leader, the spokesman of the twelve apostles, but he denied his Lord with oaths and curses, and even had the audacity to correct the Lord, and yet he was restored by the compassion of Jesus in the midst of his disobedience, and he was was enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to speak with such force on the day of Pentecost to be the agency by which God gave birth to this great Pentecostal introduction to the church. And I'm telling you why that is because God is still looking for earthen vessels that he can use. Paul, perhaps the greatest Christian the world has ever seen, Paul wrote more than half of the New Testament, was won by the Lord himself in a personal interview, was the apostle to the Gentiles, not an apostle, the apostle to the Gentiles, planted at least 14 churches and more, maybe more like 20 or 22 and was scourged five times by the Jews for the sake of Christ and even stoned and left for dead. Even with all of that, even with all the great things that he had done, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul was fully convinced that he was not the treasure. He was the earthen vessel. He was not the message. He was only the messenger. What was Paul's self-assessment? How did he see himself? Well, 1 Timothy 1.15 tells you, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am the chief of all sinners. Why? Because he was just an earthen vessel. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 9, he said, for I am the least of all the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. In Ephesians 3 and 8, he says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Do you realize who we're talking about? The greatest missionary the world has ever known, the greatest Christian the world has ever known and yet here he is saying I am less than the least of all the saints, I am less than the least of all the saints, he was an earthen vessel When you look at the life of Paul Paul had established a church in Corinth, this is the text go back to the text and here in the life of Corinth We read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For a period of almost two years, he preached there. Not long after he left, after two years, false teachers came into Corinth, and their agenda was to teach lies. But in order to be heard, they had to dethrone Paul. They had to to smear his reputation. And so they began an all-out assault against Paul. In the midst of his own congregation, in his absence, they tried to discredit him in every way imaginable. But their attack included some very low blows. They were ruthless, and they were relentless. And part of their assault against him was really an unthinkable kind of assault. They assaulted him, of all things, for his physical defects— His physical defects, they assaulted him for his physical shortcomings and his human weakness, primarily in the way he looked and in the way he spoke. The way he looked and the way he spoke. In fact, Paul directly addresses these false apostles in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And he says in verse 10, that the false apostles had said about him. He said, this is what they're saying about me. Indeed, his letters are strong, but the bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. His speech is contemptible. That is what they were saying about him. The The way he writes is powerful. He's got great letters. He's a great writer. But when one sees him, His bodily presence is weak, and his word is contemptible. He does not know how to preach. That's what they were saying. He doesn't know how to preach. For a preacher, can I just say, that is the lowest offense that there is, right? Because, listen, if a preacher is ugly, like if you stand up here and you look like Shrek, you can at least close your eyes and listen to his message. But if he doesn't preach well, but at least he's attractive and charismatic, then open your eyes and at least you can get something good out of it. But the worst thing is when a preacher doesn't look good and doesn't preach good. What do you do then? That's when man, that bathroom is calling. Amen. That's the worst of the worst. And that's exactly what they said about Paul. They said, you can't close your eyes because he can't preach, but if you open your ears and open your eyes, then, then when you look at him, that's even, I don't know what's worse. He's not an imposing person. He lacks charisma. He lacks personality. He lacks good looks. He doesn't have the personal presence or the personal power to motivate people. There was a a document that appeared uh, uh, in the middle of the second century. That's that's pretty early, middle of the second century, that claims to know what Paul looked like. Now, listen, this was a document that uh, we don't know. We weren't there. We don't know. But where there's smoke... There's fire, right? And that's pretty close to Paul's death. I mean, middle of second century. So this, this document, it's a book called The Acts of Paul and Tecla. The Acts of Paul and Tecla. This book never became part of the New Testament, mainly because uh, Tertullian denounced it as heretical for encouraging women to preach and baptize in, in his time. That's, that's what he described as heretical. But according to history... This book was actually widely read in the early church with the other letters in the New Testament. Now, when you look at this document, the story, Paul approaches the city of Iconium. And uh, Titus gives, uh, we don't know if it was a deacon or a helper or a servant or an elder. Uh, He was called Onesiphorus. He did not know who Paul was. And so Titus gave him a description so that he knew who to wait for when Paul arrived into Iconium. Are you guys ready to read Paul's description? He was to look for a man who was small in stature. As a matter of fact, some people say he, was, uh, not, he wouldn't even get to five feet. He was a, a small dude. So small, in fact, that his hair smelled like feet. Lord have mercy. I I think this is my last time out here, so I'll just, I'm going for broke tonight. Small in stature. It said he was bald, said he was bow-legged. It said he was shapely, well-built, with a unibrow, and a rather long nose. And then I, I love, out of all those, you know, these are all the descriptions, and then at the very end, it adds in there, and full of grace. You know, like full of grace, like that really makes it better. Right? That's like when we go to Olive Garden and order, the whole, and order the whole shebang and then say, can I have a Diet Coke, please? In other words, Paul would not have made the list of the world's most handsome men. This was no Brad Pitt. These false teachers who were sowing division among the church had come to the conclusion that this man had a repulsive appearance. He was nothing to look at. And the false teachers were saying the reason that Paul is rejected, the reason he is not more popular and the gospel is not better heard is partly because he is a common and ordinary and unimpressive and perhaps even a deformed man. He lacks personality. He lacks stature, the charm, and whatever else it takes to influence people. There there, there are some biblical clues that would also make it certain that Paul's physical appearance may not have been the best at times. In Acts chapter 14, the Bible says, Then came certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the multitude." and having stoned paul dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead but the disciples surrounded him and he arose and went into the city and the next day he went out with barnabas watch this to derby derby now i took the, the liberty to to um, to look on this the, the, the stoning process because I had never done that, and I, I thought to myself, man, this would be a nice little study to kind of see what they did when they stoned people, see what, what that was. The Jewish Encyclopedia summarizes the procedure that was used when stoning an individual. They would place the prisoner on a platform that was twice his height. One of the witnesses would throw, the first witness would throw him to the ground. The first witness would throw him to the ground. Now, if the concussion, now imagine that was a platform that was about twice his height. Uh, For me, it would probably be right below that balcony, right? And, And they would throw you from that kind of platform, and then you would fall. Now, you were tied up, so they have no way of knowing how you would fall to the ground when you would fall. Now, if the concussion did not produce instant death, which sometimes it would, the second witness threw a heavy heavy stone at his chest. That was called the first stone. The first stone. And only when this also proved insufficient to put him out of his misery, then the rest of the people, if he still showed any signs of life, the rest of the people would throw stones at the prostate body until death ensued. This is all in the Jewish encyclopedia. The reason they stopped the proceedings against Paul is because the Bible says they believed he was already dead. So they dragged his unconscious body out of the city to dispose of his body And the wickedness that they thought, they could not live in this city. They dragged him out. And the disciples in this city surrounded him, perhaps so that no one would see that he had actually survived. Or perhaps they surrounded him in order to pray him back to life. We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. But they surrounded him. And when he came back to himself, they snuck him in back into the city. What, what, what I want you to notice here is that the Bible says that the next day, the very next day after he went through this ordeal, he went out with Barnabas to Derby. Derby. Now, if you look at Derby, you'll notice Derby was a region in Galatia, Galatia was not a city. Galatian was a region. Galatia, uh, that's why when Paul addresses the, the Galatians, he says to the churches in Galatia, to the saints, the churches. In the letter written by Paul to the Galatians was not written to a particular church, but to several churches in the region of Galatia. One of those churches was the church, surely, in Derby, because Derby was in the region of Galatia, where Paul came to preach the gospel to them because, read Acts, it says he came to preach the gospel to them because of a physical illness. We do not know exactly what weakness is in his body, but it makes me speculate something here as I read the text. Look at what he writes to them in Galatians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Paul tells the churches of Galatia, For you know, That because of an infirmity of the body, I preached the gospel to you at the beginning. Verse 14. And you did not despise me or reject me because of the trial I had in my body. But you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He said, you did not despise me. I, I almost I almost speculate here today how precious is that that most likely here he was talking about how he came into derby could you imagine thrown from a platform that was twice his height and someone had dropped a heavy stone upon his chest and the people stoned him to death until he was unconscious? Could you imagine the scars? Could you imagine how he walked into Derby on the next day? He couldn't run from his assailants, but he had to walk for miles to get there. He was sore. He was scarred. He was swollen. He was unrecognizable who knows what his body looked like at the moment but Paul tells them here thank you for not throwing me away because of the trial I had in my body thank you for not casting me out thank you for treating me with respect and receiving me with honor you treated me as you would have treated an angel even though I had this severe trial in my body do you imagine being whipped 5 times by Roman soldiers receiving 39 slashes lashes uh, in his back 39 lashes in his back 5 different times. Could you imagine the scars on the body of old Paul? Could you imagine what he looked like for Christ's name's sake? And here we are in 2022 talking about the persecution of the American church. Friends, you don't know what persecution is. We that drink on our Starbucks coffee in the sanctuary and sit on the great technology and, and, and modern decor, we don't know what persecution is and sacrifices are we don't know any of that could you imagine that this same apostle Paul after suffering all of those things he still said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship his sufferings he was saying oh I still don't know enough about the sufferings of Christ after all that he had gone through but he still the desire of his soul is I still want to know more how much more can I suffer for his name's sake but not only was his physical appearance unimpressive But he was maligned also as a preacher. They belittled his ability to speak. And Paul admits this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3, where he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and in much trembling. And if you read the context of this, just go two verses back and you will notice what the context was. He says, "'I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom.'" I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He was talking to the great Corinthian philosophers who knew how to deliver a great discourse and a great sermon. He was talking to the great people of Greece who understood what it meant to get at the Eropagus, Eropagus, and and speak according to what God had, or according to what they had studied the philosophy that they had studied. And then he said, "I came not with excellency." excellency of speech or wisdom. What a comfort to know that Paul was a little nervous before he got up to speak. So much so that he trembled, that he was aware of his shortcomings. Can I just, can I just tell you, young preacher, don't you ever despise the nerves before you stand behind this sacred pulpit. Don't you despise being nervous. Don't you ask God to take it away. Don't you ever do it. Oh God, ask God, to never take away the feeling of nervousness. Never be overconfident in your own abilities. Trembling keeps you humble. Trembling keeps you responsible. Trembling keeps you obedient. Trembling keeps you teachable. Trembling, trembling keeps you willing to learn. Don't you ever despise the nerves. So they mocked him for it, and they blamed the failures of his ministry and the fact that he was so often rejected in part on the fact that he was such a despicable person to watch and a despicable person to listen to. So 2 Corinthians is an epistle that's a little different from the rest of Paul's writings. 2 Corinthians doesn't have any real theology behind it. It's almost an autobiography. What Paul is doing in 2 Corinthians is he is defending his apostleship. And the reason for why, because he's saying, listen, all of these false teachers that have come into Corinth are saying I'm not an apostle for this and this reason. He said, now I feel like I've got to defend myself. And so 2 Corinthians, he's defending himself. If it had been me on a personal level, I would have said something like, wow. You are going to debate with me? I'm the Apostle Paul. Look at my record. Look at my pedigree. Google me. I'm not part of the 12, and they still call me an apostle. You better recognize. Put some respect on my name. I have the equivalent of three PhDs by the time I was 25. 25 from an accredited school not from Tijuana and University Online you better Google me folks that's not how Paul defended himself they said Paul what are you gonna say next Look what they're saying about you. They're saying you're weak. They're saying you're, you're unimpressive. They're saying your speech is contemptible. They're saying your body is deformed. They're saying you don't qualify for this. What are you going to say about all of it? And this was Paul's response. He said, it's true. Everything they're saying about me is true. I can't fake it. I can't hide. You see me. You hear me. It's true. Paul was aware that the glory and the majesty and the wonder of the new covenant, that the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ was in this case packaged in a common, humble, frail, imperfect messenger. And that is why he says in verse 7, we have a treasure in earthen vessels. His greatest defense was to say, "Hi." am an earthen vessel. You found me out. Isn't that what you are? Isn't that what we all are? Isn't that what my ministry is? We need a revival of saints who are well aware of their own weakness. We need a revival of saints who know this new building we are building is not to make our own name. But so the name of Jesus Christ will be magnified in the city of Cincinnati through the ordinary means of earthen vessels. People of no renown, people of no human resources, people of no financial resources, and yet God has chosen earthen vessels to bring about his name in this region. Why? Because God has given you a glorious call, an earthen vessel. So I speak to all earthen vessels here tonight. Arise, you blessed earthen vessels. Arise, vessels of clay. Arise, people of divorce and bankruptcy and wheelchairs and elderly and the poor and the illiterate and foreigners and sick and depressed and dysfunctional families. Arise, earthen vessels. God has given you a glorious call. And that glorious call is not the value that is inherently in yourself. It is the treasure of the gospel that he has placed in here Your weakness is the perfect dark background that God was looking for so that his glory would shine through you. Why does God use earthen vessels? So that the excellency of the power may be of God. And not of us. You've heard the story before, but uh, frankly, you were the first church that I felt comfortable enough to tell my testimony and my story to. And uh, thank you for that. But 10 years ago, it's been 10 years, y'all, since uh, I was. Uh, I was left as a single dad, full-time single father. If you really want to know, you've probably, I've probably told this story to you before, but I'll say it for those who have never heard, but I'll never forget how it happened. It was Cinco de Mayo, 2012. I had just preached a revival, and I had both my sons with me. They would often come to me, we lived in Phoenix because we would go down, we had season passes to Disneyland. And so when I'd preach out in uh, LA, I would drive so that they could come with me and they, uh, they don't tell anyone I said this, but I'd let them play hooky from school and we'd go and we'd go to Disneyland every day that I was there. And Pastor didn't know it. He thought I was back in a hotel praying and speaking in tongues. I was over in the Tower of Terror eating churros and turkey legs and funnel cake. And, uh, And then we'd get cleaned up and go have revival at night. But that weekend, for some odd reason, very weekend, as I was driving from Phoenix, I went by Ontario, California. And when I went by Ontario, California, I felt an overwhelming desire, overwhelming desire to plant a church in Ontario, California or wherever in that region. I didn't know much about it. But it was an overwhelming desire. So I, I, I felt that, and I had never felt that in my life. Um, I went and I spoke at, at the church in Pacoima, California, a little north of L.A., and I remember every single night I would go to the pastor and I would tell him on May the 3rd, on May the 4th, and even May the 5th, which was a Sunday, I told him, pastor, in his office, I don't know why. This was Pastor Jesse Cornejo in Pacoima, California. I said, I I don't know why, but I feel an overwhelming desire to come move here to California and to start a church in this region. Do you know of any great churches there? I don't know why God is is talking to me. I don't even know if it's God. What do you think? And and he would say, man, we really need a good church in that area. And he would encourage me. He said, pray about it. And I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you in whatever way that I can. But pray about it. Let's pray about it together. And the next night, preach, after we preached, God in his office. And I said, pastor, it hasn't left me alone. I remember being at Disneyland while my boys were having a great time, but all I could think about was, man, God is calling me to pastor here in this area. And I began to research on my phone, what's, what's the population in certain areas? What's the demographic? How would we fit? How would my family fit? What kind of people live there? What are the homes like and the prices? And and what what what, uh, what churches are already in the area? Who would I have to contact? There was an overwhelming desire in me. To know more and more about it. And on that Sunday before I left that, service, that that church, I remember again I sat in the office and I said, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I think we're going to be neighbors soon. I said, I, I, I can't even sleep. The whole weekend I, I haven't been able to sleep. This is all I think about. This is all I've been thinking about day and night. I think God is really calling me to come out. And he said, Brother, I'm going to pray with you. You know what? He said, I feel this in my spirit as well I'm gonna pray and I believe that God is gonna see this through and we're gonna pray and, f- and soon we'll be neighbors and you talk to me and he said we're gonna help you out whatever we can do we're gonna help you to come forth so I, I got in my car with both my sons and we started heading back uh, towards Phoenix and as I'm heading back towards Phoenix for the first time I felt like I need to tell my wife about what I'm doing here so I called on my way back and And I said, hey, babe, I said, can I tell you, I don't know why, but the last three days I haven't been able to sleep. I haven't been able to think. There's nothing else on my mind. All I can think about is I'm going to be pastoring in Southern California in the Inland Empire. I said, I I think God is calling us to plant a church here somewhere in Ontario in the Inland Empire. Do you think, think, what do you think about that? What do you think? And I'll never forget the words on the other hand hand on the other side that said, I will never pastor. I will never pastor. And, and I said, what do you mean? We, we've grown up in this. This is th- this is what we've been groomed for. What do you mean? I, I said, I feel like God is talking to me. And you know what? It, it went from thinking that I was about to go pastor and, and plant this church, and God was calling me to a mwak, mwak, mwak. Not only are you not going to go pastor, but the next words were, I've been meaning to talk to you about some things. And one of those things is, I don't think I can live this life anymore. I'm so sorry, but I'm so tired of the duplicity. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of it. I've got to go in a different direction. I said, what do you mean? No, 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 I, I just, I have to. I've got to go into, I'm a different person now. I'll never forget when I finally got home, I couldn't talk. I was still so shocked. And then the next day, I didn't talk all day. We didn't talk all day until the next day, 6th of May, that Monday night when we began to talk again. And on that day, she said again, reiterated, I am so sorry, but I cannot do this with you. I cannot do this. I begged. I cried. I wept. I tried. I, for the next several days, I, I tried. I emailed. I, 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 I was so out of it. I just did not know what to do. But no, long story short, what did I. I thought God had spoken to me. And here I was, nothing to show for it, alone. I was depressed, y'all. I was severely depressed I was depressed so much I remember in the weeks to come I went to a church in uh, New Mexico and while I was in New Mexico while I was speaking no one no one knew what was going on not my parents not my family no one knew what was going on while I was speaking behind the pulpit I remember having a breakdown of some sort I I, I I can only describe, I don't know, I'm I'm guessing it was a panic attack, but I began to have a breakdown and I could not breathe and I'm trying to speak. This is before I begin to preach. I'm, I'm giving my preliminaries, and I cannot breathe. And all I could do, because I thought I was having a heart attack, all I could do was put my hand in my, uh, or my head in my hand on the pulpit, and I just began to shake. I mean, just began to shake, convulsing, and I could not breathe. I thought I was going to pass out. Can I tell you, thank the good Lord, we're Pentecostal. Because as soon as I started shaking, that place went to town. When I tell you it was the greatest message I've never preached, I had preached there countless times, and afterwards the pastor was like, that's the greatest I've ever seen your ministry. I mean, people were getting the Holy Ghost while I was dying. People were getting the Holy Ghost. I was under all sorts of stress. I never understood it. For years, I always went back to it and I thought, why would God even begin to work in my mind and in my head about this place if he had no no real vision for it. Why, why would I be awakened to the possibility? That's, that's kind of mean. And then I began to doubt my own self. Could I even, did I even hear right? Do I even know what the voice of God sounds like? I began to question my own self in all of this. It wasn't until June the 12th. June the 12th, I was installed As pastor, just a small group that was there, but I was installed as pastor. And as I was being installed, it it had not resonated with me. As I was being installed, I remembered 10 years, a whole decade ago, I called you to the Inland Empire to come and plant a church. you remember that? Here I was at the altar. I remember I was kneeling, and they were praying for me, and this is all I could hear. I called you 10 years ago. Do you remember that? Right to this place. And I said, Lord, why did it take you 10 years of my life, 10 years to bring me here? And this is what I felt the Holy Ghost tell me on that day. I called you 10 years ago, but I could not use you. Because at the time, you still thought you were a vessel of gold and of silver. This would have been about you in your great ministry, in your great power, in your great intelligence, you were not ready. I had to drag you through the mud. I had to remind you you're an earthen vessel. You're just a jar of clay. You're here today and tomorrow you're gone. I am still the potter. I didn't call you so you can get glory to yourself. I called you so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of men. I called you so that I can get glory out of this church. But in order to get glory out of the church, I've got to make you know that you are the chiefest of all sinners. I've got to let you know that you're a nobody. I've got to let you know that your life is just clay in my hands. You're an earthen vessel. You're an earthen vessel. 2023. I'm calling all earthen vessels. You who have gone through trial and tribulation. The Lord is giving you a glorious call. The Lord is calling on you, earthen vessel. You who have experienced heartbreak and disease and illness and divorce and bankruptcy. You, the Lord is calling on you. Come on 2023. I had to drag you so that you realize you are just an earthen vessel. Your life is at the disposition of the master. He will get glory out of your life. Would you lift your hands all over this building right now? Oh, come on, just lift your hands. Lift your voices over this building. Oh, Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us, for the Apostle Paul knew that he was not a vessel of gold and silver. Why do we think ourselves so strong and so great? Lord, give us humility every day. Help us realize we're not what we think we are. We do not believe our own headlines. Give us a spirit, O oh God, of humility. Let us come before you, O oh God, at the altar and say, Lord, get glory out of my life. Get glory out of my life. I can no longer be preoccupied with money and things and, and possessions and And getting ahead in life and power and and treasure. I need you to be glorified. In whatever way, oh God. May your glory cover this earth like the waters cover the sea. May you use me, oh God, in whatever way that you can. I'm just clay. I'm just an earthen vessel. You do with me as you can whether in sickness or health, whether in strength or weakness, whether in riches or poverty, whatever it is. And in all things, I will not complain. You do whatever you want with my life. And if that means that you want me to be single for the rest of my life, well, here I am. I'm just an earthen vessel. how best can I bring glory to you, O God? You tell me. You tell me I'm just an earthen vessel. Whatever it is, I'll take it. Wherever you send me, I'll go. Whatever you want to do with me, I'm here. Let my life bring glory to your name. May my light shine that this world would see your glory. My works and glorify the God that is above in Jesus name we pray I, I want to open this altar up I wonder for several minutes if you just come and you would just say lord help me help me oh Lord I want to be an earthen vessel I want to be a pot of clay I, just whatever wherever I'm willing I'm willing I'm able I here's my life you do it you do with it as you would like I'm I'm just an earthen vessel 2023 oh Lord I, I, just, I just want to be used for your glory I'm tired of fighting I'm tired of arguing wherever you send me whatever you choose here I am this is me I'm ready I'm an earthen vessel I'm here for your sake for your glory give me oh God whatever it is here I am You do with me as you will in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm going to lift your voices all over this building. Lift your voices all over this building. Go before the Lord. Let's have a little self-reflection here this, this evening. Let's go before the Lord and say, God, here I am. Here I am.
0: to share something with you i had an experience with god the lord is doing extraordinary things through the church but they're extraordinary it's, it takes extraordinary effort. And I have to confess, sometimes that feels overwhelming. And I felt the weight of that overwhelming reality. But it was starting to kind of creep into an area of almost... Looking at the challenge and not the blessing. And I saw an article of a man who who um, was looking for a heart transplant. I saw it today. And because of the winter storm last week, he, they called him and said, We have a heart for you. You have to be in Seattle in eight hours. He got on the plane, was sitting on the plane, was four hours in flight, and they had to divert the plane because of the winter storm. And he missed the opportunity to have a heart transplant. He's in his late 50s, he's had six heart bypasses. It was utterly devastating to him and his family. And as I read that article, I, I felt so convicted. How dare I not recognize how blessed we are some of the challenges people face. How dare I look at any challenge that God has so empowered us to face and get caught up in seeing the challenge. And as Brother Diaz preached tonight, I felt the Lord speak to me this is what he said to me. He said, the devil was laying a snare of ingratitude for you. He was trying to make you unthankful by diverting your attention to all of the challenges. And if you're unthankful, I have to humble you. The devil wanted to see that happen he was laying a snare and God just showed me the snare of ingratitude tonight through the word of the Lord. Some of the most gracious words the word of God ever gave us, Brother Diaz spoke them tonight. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It is the safest place to be. Lord, forgive me for any unthankful thought forgive me God for any negligence concerning giving you praise for all the blessings for even the challenges are just blessings in disguise even the challenges are us waiting us to step into them and whole new world of glory to envelop us. Humble yourselves because what God is doing through us is going to bring excellent power and it is imperative that the excellency of the power be of God and not of us. I want us to continue to seek the face of God. I wanted to share that with you. I want us to seek the face of God and I want us to step away from every snare of unthankfulness, every snare that the enemy would set in our path. Walk away from it. And follow after the Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I give all myself to you, here I am, here I am. it together and seek his face today Here i am. thanksgiving to envelop us right now I want us to thank God for every mile of this journey right now come on all across this house we're stepping into <laughs> the thanksgiving of God here's what happens when you're thankful you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and you enter into his courts with praise oh here I am. Spirit move through me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is moving in this house. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place. (laughs) Just step into it right now. Oh, here I am. Here I am. Let it be your heart. everybody who believes you've heard from God, but it's not measuring up the way you thought it would, I want you to give Him praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody who's going through a challenge and you're not sure why, I want you to begin to give Him praise right now. I thank you for every person that is gathered in this place. I thank you for your spirit that moves so freely and deeply among us. Lord, we are earthen vessels. Thank you for your word that cleanses and purifies and sets us free. Thank you for your word that reveals the innermost parts of ourselves. That we may be made whole in your sight. That we may be made whole in your presence. Help us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to always be that earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of you and not of us. Oh God, that we can see your glory. Your glory. Your glory. Your glory in this last day and hour. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you need to go tonight, God bless you in the name of the Lord. Drive safely. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock in Jesus' name. God bless you. If you want to stay and pray, feel free to stay and pray. Hallelujah. Oh, I